1: welcome back to open the voice gate for january 26 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on odd podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open VoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our RedCircle.com landing site. Click the red box that says sponsor this podcast. and You can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts, it's your old pal, Mike Spears. Join alongside, as always, my co-host and friend Slow. In case, kind of a weird week in the dragon system, I would say. How are you doing? I'm doing all right.
0: I was going to hit you with a surprise topic right off the bat of a tweet that I saw. Well, I saw a tweet yesterday. And I thought, you know what? That's the kind of thing I'd like to get a Mike Spears reaction on. You know, Mike Spears is a, a very charismatic individual, very opinionated. This seems like something that I could really let him riff on. And as I went to pull up that tweet now, I see that it has been deleted, which is devastating because I was counting on that to fill some time on this episode.
1: Man, only the good die young.
0: <laughs> this was a a tweet that was uh, asking, and, I, and to be clear, I don't want to throw the person that tweeted this under the bus. I am merely throwing the contents of the tweet under the bus. Separate the art from the artist, my friends. It was a tweet asking who the best 50-plus-year-old wrestler is. And it was like a picture of Sagira and a picture of Matsukata Funaki and a, a picture of people that weren't Masaki Mochizuki. And I was going to let you go on that, but I don't remember the four wrestlers that were listed. And so now it's
1: null and void. I mean, I could just cut and paste that conversation we had last year into this, and we could make that work that way. Just in general, we could make that work. But no, uh, the answer is Misaki Mochizuki. Any other answers are any other just like claims are null and void, unless you want to say Dr. Wagner Jr., because he's the coolest, because he is very cool.
0: And if you want to make your argument that it's Negro Casas for wrestlers over the age of 60... I'm not going to argue because Masaki Mochizuki is not 60 years old yet. But if we're talking from 50 to 59, there's one answer there, and it's Masaki Mochizuki.
1: And let's be honest about Negro Casas. Like, okay, Negro Casas, one of my favorite luchadores, one of the, one of the most skilled technicians in Mexico history. I challenge people to think of anything that Negro Casas has done. And I'm going to even open this up, so it won't be a COVID thing. Anything that Negro Casas has done over the last four years in comparison to Misaki Mochizuki's work in Dragon Gate and Pro Wrestling Noah.
0: So, I'm not touching that. I don't, I don't want that smoke. I'm officially <laughs> opting out of that part of the conversation. Just if you just want to get people in my
1: mentions. You just want to <laughs> get people in my mentions.
0: If anybody was listening, let it be known that when GCW, a promotion that I'm not exactly the most fond of, announced Negro Casas for their show in December. I was like, "All right, this is really cool. If this was in Chicago, I would have gone to it." Now, GCW, of course, could not follow through on booking Casas. That sucks cuz again, I would have liked to have seen that. But you know, I'm not going to say anything bad about it cuz I I think I have a new a new thing that I want to try out cuz for a long okay. time I've been really I've been really apathetic towards stardom like I'm sure the wrestling is fine. I just I don't feel like I have the hours and minutes and seconds in the day to devote any time to stardom. It's a new thing. I'm going to have to learn all this stuff. They've got 7 million titles. They're always running a tournament. I It's too much for me right now. I need about a week off of work to fully dedicate myself into deciding whether or not I like stardom, but whether I like the wrestling or not is irrelevant because I've determined that I think I want to become anti-stardom guy because okay the, let's get into this i'm
1: ready for the, this I, the, did me help you out with this right now i can
0: this course i see about is rossi ogawa a wrestling observer newsletter hall of Famer. oh stardom is the second biggest promotion in japan why are people talking about stardom more? oh my god can we pump the brakes for just a second i'm sure these wrestlers are wonderful i feel bad I feel bad that the SFM 50 didn't have more Joshi representation. I would like to be able to watch these matches that people pimp out as match of the year contenders. It has nothing to do with that. But people speak about this promotion in a way that is insane to me.
1: Oh, no, it, it, it's something. And, and you know what? I'll catch more fire. Okay, so this is what's going to happen today. This is, it, it is January 26, 2022, and Mike's going to get different sectors of wrestling Twitter mad at him. Did you do you want me to go off for a second? Do you want me to fill some time? Hey, go off, King. All right. So, Rossi Agawa might potentially be one of the worst bookers in wrestling. Case, <laughs> and do you want to know why? I would love to. All right. Uh, go to Puro Love right now. Just pu- oh, just pull it up. Just because it'll be quick and easy for you, and just pull up like whatever the most recent tour is for Stardom. Anything like since COVID, just since COVID. And all right, just- I'm, I'm I'm on that uh, Stardom Puro Love page just look at all those time limit draws for no reason
0: yeah this is not encouraging me to watch the promotion this all right i I, i'm seeing a lot of time limit draws let me do a a command f and i'm seeing four time limit draws within the past uh three shows yeah uh no four time limit draws within the past five shows i think
1: right yep and on top of that uh you, like, look at how he, like, traditionally books. It is not necessarily very... It... He's not a good long-term booker. He can build up things to, like, the immediate match, like how Shiri and Itami Hayashida like, was built up for a while. But he was also cribbing directly off of the G1 suitcase for that. So there's that. And and being the number two promotion in Japan. They should be. They are the promotion that is most in line with the core competencies of Road. that should be plug and play. But the fact that they draw pretty poorly in a lot of places, like other than like, they do okay in Cork and Hall. They'll do okay in Oda City. But then you like you look at Budokan shows that have been papered. And then when you get outside of Tokyo, not so good. Not so good. And that's on top of the fact that they don't have a dojo to speak of. Like, the last person they brought through the dojo was, like, three years ago. Like, like, Rossi, all he does is he goes, and because Stardom's able to pay for wrestlers, go to the very fledgling Joshi scene, which is, it's, you know, not helpful to go and sign up all these people. Like, last year, he got, like, two different people from Tokyo Joshi Pro. He started this year. Actress Girls kind of shut down, so he got some of Actress Girls. But he just has, does not have a dojo. And you know who's, who is the named head coach of Stardom right now? i have no idea milano collection at oh i you know what i did know that but he's not that's more of a gimmick title isn't it right yeah milano collection at has a very fruitful business as a masseuse and chiropractor as an italian
0: supermodel (laughs) as as a man jet setting the runways
1: (laughs) exactly exactly He, he he's taken that those core competencies there and has applied them To joint manipulation. I mean, if you want to think about like what style would be the best, like cracking your back, Yave and Milano, I mean, Paradise Lock to reset your back, you know?
0: Yeah, there's a lot that I would let Milano do to my body.
1: Oh, okay.
0: (laughs) Hey, we like to have fun here.
1: We like to have fun here. (laughs) And this week on Open the Voice Gate, there was only one show last week. It was a show in the friendly confines of Kobe Sambo Hall. This is, as we've talked about, this is kind of the quieter period of the year for Dragon Gate. Things will start really kicking into gear in February, towards the end of February. But we're going to be talking about that in the case we had a little thing that we dropped for people earlier this week, and we're going to close out today talking about it. But I think the first thing kind of worth talking about before we get into Kobe was the current Omicron boom in Japan has now drastically affected Dragon Gate And it shows as of this Kobe Sambo Hall show, they had two people test positive that we know of, Naruki Doi and Yamato. And a lot of people that they pulled because of medical concerns or exposure or close contacts.
0: Yeah, so the only two confirmed cases of COVID as of this time are Yamato and Naruki Doi. In a weird way, the timing probably couldn't have been better because they are for sure only missing two shows. They missed this Kobe Sambo Hall show, and then they missed the show the next day as well. But it took a number of wrestlers along with them, uh, like Mike mentioned, for close contact reasons.
1: Yeah, so that kind of colored how this Kobe Sambo Hall show was. And of course, because Dragon Gate's operating under Secret Gate until further notice that made the shows incredibly interesting in a way case that, you know, it's kind of advantageous that you're not going to have to completely release a new show, a a new show card. When ever someone tests positive, since you're just going to announce the uh, cards at opening bell, but it's something that I think kind of uh, left this Kobe Sambo hall show kind of peculiar, but not peculiar in a bad way, but peculiar in the way of you get to see some things here that, Maybe they're doing some things with some of the younger wrestlers you wouldn't expect yet. And also, you, you the, it took away the uh, Royal Sanbo. And because of that, it kind of... Some of these matches on this show, just one match in particular, very much is not a match that you would normally see in Dragon Gate 2022.
0: So when I look at my star ratings for this show, which is a Kobe Sanbo Hall show normally I'm sitting with a lot of matches at three stars, maybe a three and a quarter. If we're lucky, we have something hit the notebook at four stars. I don't know if this show just caught me in the right mood. I don't know if I was excited, just uh, not in a perverse way, certainly not excited because anybody got sick, but just excited that we were going to get an upended card, some stuff that maybe we wouldn't normally get. I don't know what it was. I thought this show was excellent, and I it may be really high on a lot of these matches. I went notebook on one and was very close to going notebook on another. And other than one aforementioned match that stuck out like a sore thumb, I thought everything here was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, this was a blast of a show. I, I'll i be interested to see how our star ratings kind of compare because I do have a notebook match out on this show. And I did have one that was three and three quarters, but it just was a show that, because of certain things and because of close contacts, you, you got to see some shakeups. You got to see some people team together that you wouldn't necessarily think they'd be teaming together yet. I think that's a fair thing to say for two of these matches. And it added a lot of, uh, j- just like scatter and randomness to the show. And I Liked it a good deal. I thought this was a relatively easy watch outside of the the aforementioned match. Uh, Just running down the specifics of the show. The show was on the 22nd. It will be up on the network for a couple more days. Probably will take someone about two hours to watch. I mean, they had the opening mic and then there was an intermission. You, You would think that they wouldn't have an intermission for a show like this, but they did. And then there was a lot of talking going on there. So I thought it was a relatively easy watch.
0: Yeah, a lot of fun. It kicks off with a bang. The opening match, which is on YouTube, is one of the matches that I think are uh, worth your time.
1: Yeah, so let's just get right into it. Opening match was a singles match. Mochi Fuji explodes. Misaki Mochizuki versus Don Fuji. General Manager Ryo Saito tried to make this a 60-minute match. I think he was thinking, we're short-staffed today. Let's send the Iron Man of Pro Wrestling and his tag team partner out there. They'll tear it down for an hour. But uh, Masaki Mochizuki very wisely stated that there are two wrestlers in their 50s. If you want us to go an hour, we're not going to be able to wrestle tomorrow. So what, what, because they had to show the next day in Mie. And if you want that to happen, then that's going to be, you're going to have to shake up the cards again. And he said, you know, you're right. 10 minute time limit. And wouldn't you know it, it was a time limit draw. Unlike Rossi Agawa, Dragon Gate does not have many main card time limit <laughs> draw and this it, one they it does they make played our argument look
0: flimsy no nope, it makes that's... us look pretty bad when this show begins with a time limit draw
1: no i i'll stand by this because there was a storyline reason whereas in stardom they just have time limit draws up and down the card just because they don't want to do finishes huh all right well okay dragon gate once again on the right side of history what else is new yeah so t- 10 minute time limit draw uh i thought this was a lot of fun this is a guys being dudes opener just like deciding to brawl around and playing up everything with us and i i really enjoy the fact that like they went out there it's like oh we have 10 minutes so we're just gonna have a 10 minute time limit draw and just go for it yeah a lot of this
0: show felt like if dragon gate was on a two-hour delay from school where You know, ultimately, everything is the same. You're still doing the same things in the same classes. You see the same people you would normally see. But the energy is just a little different. It's a little more unhinged. And this is one of those matches, despite the fact that these guys have been so closely aligned in our minds since the start of this promotion, teaming, you know, pretty consistently since 2006, Uh, One of their only singles matches and one of their only televised singles matches, I think up to this point, uh, they had had uh, a singles match in 1999 at a Kobe Chicken George show, which I believe is on TV and clipped the outstanding 2005 Open the Dreamgate Championship match uh, with Mochizuki as the champion and then a 2007 Dreamgate match with Don Fuji as the champion, which I have not seen and would like to be able to track down. And then they also uh, took place in a Crazy Max versus Isu no ropes match that made TV in 2004, which we forgot about in July when we were previewing Yamato versus Kai and wondering what the first no ropes match was. That might have been it. And that series of matches are a lot of fun. But anyways, Mochi and Fuji, it's a winning combination. It's always going to be a good time. This is kind of what you would expect these two guys to bring to the ring for an opening match singles match. And because of that, I thought it delivered.
1: Yeah, th- this was exactly what you would want, and you know, yeah, yeah, they worked a walk and brawl for a bit. They teased the, uh, they, they they teased a the double knockout. Uh, you you had Mochi kicking Don Fuji's arm so he couldn't really hit the lariat the way he wanted to, and then like the big near falls off the side of Otoshi and uh, Don Fuji uh, went up for a twister, and like like they did like the teases for it, but you know if you as you said. If you think of what a 10-minute timeline draw from Mochizuki and Don Fuji would be without like any build or anything like that, that's what this was.
0: Now, clearly, there's not a ton to talk about on the show, so we're going to go very early into the cage match archives for a second. Mike, if that's okay with you? Yep, let's do it. The most recent Mochi-Fuji singles match up to this point a venue that now makes tape a card that if it happened in 2022, we would get to see, but in 2014 was not being filmed for TV yet. February 22nd, 2014 Kyoto, Japan KBS hall. Listen to some of the matches on this show. Second match on the card, Ginky Horiguchi versus anime superhero Ryutsu Shimizu. That is a very appealing singles match then, and a very appealing singles match. Now what follows the only time this happened, singles match, Masato Yoshino versus Flamita. After that, Ricochet versus Akira Tozawa. And after that, Don Fuji versus Masaki Mochizuki. What a murderer's row of singles matches in 2014 Dragon Gate.
1: Did you say this was in May?
0: This was in February. February 22nd, 2014.
1: Okay, why were they doing that many singles matches for no good reason?
0: I have no idea. I, it, it was... 2014 i don't remember a big injury happening around this time no well well no i was gonna say maybe the millennials were off the show but they're not t-hawk and ut work the opener and flamita's on this show so there's no ATA, but that's not consequential at this point in the company
1: yeah like that's really peculiar that 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 they wouldn't have that they would have three straight singles matches and, would be and, not, those... and
0: not necessarily like young versus old either. It doesn't right. look like it's a part of you know, some extended trial series.
1: Yeah, I mean, especially uh, Yoshino versus Flamita. Like, that's why I immediately asked if it was May because I'd be like, oh, was this something that they did for King of Gate? Like, were they in blocks I completely forgot about? But that is a interesting show.
0: It is. Glad I brought it up. All right, well, what was match number two on this Kobe Samba Hall show in 2022, Mike?
1: All right, this was a six-man tag. Sachi Boy, Problem Dragon, and Strong Machine J versus Yazushi Kanda, Yosuke San Maria, and Punch Tomonaga. Maria got uh, Punch Tom, uh, not Punch a uh, Problem Dragon with a European clutch in 11 minutes and 4 seconds. This was a match that normally would be match zero on a 2018 <laughs> Cork and Hall show like this. You know, th- this one just kind of was like, oh, y'all are healthy. Uh, go out there and have a match.
0: Yeah, it's amazing how much juice Konda has when he's wrestling Takumi Hayakawa and how little juice he has wrestling Sachioko Boy, Problem Dragon, and Strong Machine J. This had real, like we talked about it last week with our Rookie Ranking Tournament episode, which we got very nice feedback on. Thank you, everybody, for listening to that. Uh, This had real fall of 2018 vibes where it was just like, oh, these are the guys on the roster and oh, okay, no, you're right. I, I love this promotion. This is awesome, guys. Thanks. But in 2018, this would have been like match five on a Cork and Hall show.
1: Yeah, this is just, it, it was all fine. And my, my big note was uh, Strong Machine J and Sachi have good teamwork, but I don't think that bodes well for Strong Machine J. <laughs>
0: yeah, it worked for Masato Yoshino, but for
1: different circumstances. Yeah, and that was five years ago. <laughs> no, sorry. That was seven years ago. Seven <laughs> oh, years ago. Boy. Holy shit. I thought, to, I thought it was 2020 right now, Chris. Okay, so that tells you what energy I have. Hey, if
0: you can get a time machine and go back to January of 2020, there are some things I would like to do differently within the next month. So let me know <laughs> if that happens.
1: Yeah, yeah. January of 2020, we might be taking some more chances considering what the next two years would be after that. <laughs> Look,
0: January 2020, there's some DMs I'm going to be sending, okay? I just need to know now if you have that capability.
1: Buddy... If I had that power, don't you think you would be well apprised of it by this point? (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, that's my bad, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, this was fine. I went two and three quarters on it. I was three and a quarter on the opener. It just very much like stuck out just because of the, the four matches we had after it and the fun opener.
0: Yeah, no, there's no, there's no need to watch this unless you really feel like it. And I can't imagine anybody feeling like it.
1: Unless you're a big Strong Machine J fan you know but even if then then you you'd probably be sad by watching this
0: yeah and then I, even then i have some questions <laughs>
1: just, just, just general like sanity check I like, just, just, uh, there's just a few things i'd like to know right yeah yeah just and first and foremost is are you okay yeah. <laughs> and have you seen him work since 2019 Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, an important thing in the post-match, uh, Yosuke took the microphone and she promised General Manager Rio Saito that she would be able to get Eita back, her love, Eita. And she says, I, you know, Ishida, we'll see about him, I guess. But Eita, I'll, I, I'll get Eita back. And Rio Saito said, hey, that's good because I don't have to start docking their pay if they keep on uh, walking off the job like this. Yeah, so...
0: I guess I, I'll have you confirm here just to make sure that I have this story right. But while there were a number of guys with COVID and the obviously that were pulled for COVID concerns, Aita and Ashita have not been seen since Cork and Hall for storyline purposes. Correct?
1: Yeah, and that's not to say that they might have had exposure or anything like that. But the story they're going with, and again, it's based off the Cork and Hall show. It's it's on the YouTube when them walking out of whatever that show was last week saying like, no, we're, we're not doing this. Well, we're not doing this. So it's continuing that storyline, but it's also could be convenient if, you know, there is a Omicron concern. I just haven't heard anything.
0: So were they at that show in Nagoya or no? It was the show before that that
1: they walked out of.
0: Okay. That's, that's right. So let me briefly just look at the schedule here. So they went to Korkin and then they went to uh, Kanazawa and then Hamamatsu and then Nagoya. So, they, I, yeah, they would have walked off on the 15th, I believe. Yes,
1: it was the 15th, because it was yeah. before the uh, singles match, before the Ahashi brothers.
0: Yeah, so they've, they've been absent, but absent with a purpose.
1: Right, exactly. Then we got, and speaking of the Ahashi brothers, match three, Riki and Ishin got a match against one of their future partners in Ryofuta, Teaming with his inspiration and guy who choked him out, KSK Akuda, KSK Akuda, and what I thought was a pretty cute little finish. Case, uh, him, uh, him, and Riki Ohashi were trading near falls. They were going for roll ups. They were going for pin combinations. Then Akuda was able to trap his his head in between his legs and got him with a triangle choke in ten minutes and twenty four seconds.
0: Yeah, this is a lot of fun. I, I said after the Cork and Hall review we did in the middle of January, after Akuda legitimately choked Fuda unconscious, I was very curious to see how Dragon Gate was going to play this because we have the real life implications that Fuda, in large part, was inspired to join this promotion after watching Kaisuke Akuda find success within Dragon Gate. And to have such an emotional and raw moment in that Clark and Hall show, I was very curious to see if they were going to lean into that and see them, you know, interact more and more and more, or if they were just going to be completely separated for the time being. and Drangate was going to try to, you know, eh, maybe forget that that happened. Maybe we don't need to talk about him getting choked out in the middle of Tokyo, but they appear to be leaning into it. There's certainly an argument that I will hear that, hey, maybe Fuda... Needs to work more with your Jason Lees and your La Estrellas and your UTs and guys that don't do the pedal to the metal, kick first, ask questions later style that Fuda has, you know, done so well against Akuda and Mochizuki. I get that. I certainly hear that. I also think a really comfortable landing spot for him right now until he ages to a point of having to be in a unit. If they can get more of him and Akuda teaming, I think that's going to be a really good thing because Fuda had a stretch there where he, you know, maybe wasn't the most confident wrestler in the world and in, in December and parts of January. Here was the Fuda that I fell in love with during his debut match. I really, really liked his output here. And then, like you mentioned, the finishing stretch with Akuda and Ricky uh, Ihashi was very, very strong.
1: And it's something that I'm actually kind of glad that they are leaning into the Akuda and Fuda relationship. I feel like that. I feel like that Ryu Fuda makes sense in high end down the road, especially given, you know, Benkei and Yamato and their histories as well. in combat sports, for lack of better words, It, it makes sense in a lot of ways. And I feel like that he is someone that could add a lot to that unit. They really need a fall post so bad in high end. So I like that aspect of it. This was just a lot of fun. I, I thought it was interesting that we got a variant of the Doyoshi, a wheelbarrow, uh, bulldog out of the ahashi brothers did you notice that
0: yeah there's uh, i was gonna bring that up with one of the rookies we talk about later as there is some offensive acceleration happening with these kids and it's very exciting to see
1: yeah so i went three flat on it but it was a fun three flat, and i'm glad to see that Fuda is doing better and that you know they don't feel like that they need a kitty glove the situation
0: yeah, I'm even a little bit higher on it than you. I mean, at this point, and I'll I'll reiterate this at the end, but I, I thought everything but Match 2 was worth your time. This is a very easy-to-watch show, and this 10-minute, you know, high-intensity tag falls very much in line with, yeah, if you've got the time, you should give this match a watch.
1: Exactly. And then we, we got into the pre- the pre-intermission main event match four. It was Natural Vibes. We had a we had a full Natural Vibes contingent, which was nice to see. It was a team you don't necessarily see a whole lot, which you know I thought was a lot of fun. It was Geeky Horiguchi, Big Boss Shimizu, and Jackie Funky Kame versus Ultimo Dragon and the former Masquerade members Jason Lee and La Estrella. And it was Shimizu over Lee with the Big Boss press. I mean, he's still getting that push towards Champion Gate and getting next for the Dreamgate, And before we get in the match case, how did you feel about natural vibes? Just trolling the hell out of the former masquerade guys. It's wonderful. I, you know, this is one of those
0: combinations of natural vibes that we haven't really seen before, but this is, do you, do you remember, uh, you might be too old. Do you know
1: what the naked brothers band is? Uh, music and me, if it's not sludge metal or, to be honest lo-fi beats you could study and sleep to not really keeping up with a lot of stuff nowadays okay first of all gross that sentence was gross mike uh but I, I i'm a particular <laughs> man I, I mean you're the one who's the neurosis hater on the show i respect yes, a, and, and rightfully so i respect sludge metal i'm sorry that you <laughs> don't have the taste to there's like a lot of either. people
0: in wrestling media that have personal issues with of polsky. I take umbrage with his music taste more than anything. It's the worst thing he's ever done to me or anybody I know personally that I consider a friend, that he likes Neurosis's music.
1: <laughs> and that's considering um, you, you do a show with someone who got into a spat over uh, Dragon Gate USA with Gabe Sapolsky over him doing a stipulation match that was completely unwarranted.
0: Gabe Sapolsky has never done anything bad to people that I know and care about. But anyways, this Natural Vibes trio had real like Naked Brothers Band energy, which was a TV show on Nickelodeon in like 2007, which is, I, it was like a, I partially, they were like a boy band for little kids and they were wacky and zany and very charismatic. Somebody is going to understand what I'm talking about when I say that when Genki Horiguchi big Ball shimizu and funky jackie Kame walk to the ring it has real like teen nick energy to it genki is the wacky dad and shimizu and Kame are his wily children that are simply rambunctious
1: and it was really funny seeing shimizu try and play kz role during party anthem like, good for him. You know, stepping out, stepping into a new role there. Actually doing more of the dance than usual. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the match itself, I mean, I, it's something where like I got to see a step forward from Estrella that I've been desperately wanting, which is chemistry with someone who is not Diamante. Because I felt like that he, if Diamante is not around, he should work with Shimizu as much as possible.
0: It's interesting. I was kind of unimpressed by Astrea in this match it's not anything that he did specifically that made me a little turned off by him it with the exception of the fact that he did enter the ring and do that forward handspring attack that he's been doing where it just kind of handsprings in a circle and i am over that spot for whatever reason it kind of fell to complete silence in kobe and when you're just flipping around on your hands to total silence it makes you look like a dork
1: I mean, if you're not doing a cartwheel and then the uh, razor's edge taunt, then what are you doing here?
0: It's the best cartwheel I've ever seen.
1: And he's got the bounce pull it off here. And like my other like really big kind of takeaway was Kamei step forward and it's something that really started after he returned, after he had kind of a shaky start of the summer. He's not there yet. But Kamei will be the glue guy of a trios, of a Triangle Gate team. And, oh and it'll be God, sooner yeah. rather than later.
0: Completely. Now, now let me ask you, in terms of guys who, again, we might peg for future stardom or just important roles in the promotion as we go along, I thought it was very interesting, the finish of this match. Shimizu continues to get big wins. That's something I'll uh, reiterate as we move into the main event. But Shimizu continues to get big wins. He's in a match against Ultimo, Jason Lee, and Laustrella. La Obviously, he's not pinning Ultimo. Do you think him pinning Jason Lee, is it more to protect La Estrella or is it more to show Shimizu's dominance?
1: Does that question make sense? Yeah, no, it absolutely does. I think it's just the strongest uh, fall possible for natural vibes. I think Yeah, that... because
0: I, I, at this point, pinning Jason means more than pinning Estrella.
1: Yeah, exactly. And with Shimizu... Uh, being Ascendant and Shimizu being in the cards for the next Dreamgate shot after February 4th, it, it, it's the finish that has to happen. I mean, if Ultimo is not winning with Logmaster on Ginky Horiguchi, the finish is Shimizu splatting Jason Lee. Yeah, I agree. But I, I really like this. Like, this was my second favorite match on the show. I This was... I went three and three quarters on it. It was something that I... Each time Kame gets in the ring and shows more of just different dimensions to him. Like, we've already seen him be, like, the plucky underdog. We've seen him be able to get crowd connection. But now we're seeing him be able to be the guy that, like, ties together a trio scene together. And... It's really impressive, and I mean, it's unfair that he's always going to be compared to SB Kento because he's really become his own excellent wrestler in his own right.
0: Okay, that's interesting because I actually feel like Kamei, over the past six months or so, really, oh, well, again, he he really turned it up after Kobe World, so we'll say from August to now, that's about four months, four and a half months, I feel like he's done a really good job of digging his own tunnel and he's, he's less so in the shadows of SB Kento now, because SBK is just on another planet compared to the rest of the young guys here. But if you remove him from the, from the equation, Kame seems to really be leading the charge in terms of quality of him. And then obviously Kakuta has been absent for so long now in this future class. Like I feel like Kame has really carved out his own niche that is helping him stand out in a way that is less the second guy in S.B. Kento's class and more, oh my God, this guy has so much worth. This guy brings so much value to this promotion.
1: Yeah, and and, and I fully agree with you, Case. It's just something that when you're going to always be compared to S.B. Kento because he debuted at the same time and when, and in a prom- promotion that really loves doing these kind of things, he has carved out his own role. He He's clearly going to be the person that inherits the role that ginky horaguchi and kz has and he's making it his own as he goes forward but it's just that when you debut in the same match against someone who is already three quarters of the way to a grand slam and he can't even rent a car in the united states it's tough you know it's gonna be a natural comparison point and it's not fair it, no, it's the, not you're, fair
0: you're right because ultimately if they both and knock on wood let's all pray to the man upstairs that this doesn't happen but if a press release comes out tomorrow it says that sb kento and jackie funky Kameh are retiring we're putting more effort into sb kento and we're we're clearly going to evaluate those two and what they did up to these points in their careers as as a unit as an entity of those two beings and maybe not just focusing on sb kento or Kameh, if that analogy
1: makes sense Oh, absolutely. It makes total sense. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to you by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-ordered, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. And the thing about this case is it's the new year. It's a great time to focus on what's important to you, whether that's saving money, ordering less takeout, learning to cook or prior or prior prioritizing your wellness hellofresh is here for you and you know it's something like i i got a wedding coming up soon case i i've got to be looking good because i'm because i'm the best man in this wedding and let me tell you hellofresh just because it it stops me from getting on the phone and ordering chipotle it makes it nice and easy i know i'm putting in me and that's why hellofresh is a great option for me what's the promo code for hellofresh mike the promo code for HelloFresh this week is VOW16 and gets you 16 free meals and three free gifts. I mean, using that promo code, I mean, that almost takes care of me up until the wedding. You know, I mean, it's April. We're getting close to it. it, it, it it's trim time in the Spears household.
0: If I could have the body of Mike Spears, I would do anything possible to make that happen, which is why I'm going to HelloFresh. I'm hitting those meals hard. It's a new year. I'm a new me. And a part of that is new, fresh HelloFresh meals in my refrigerator.
1: Yeah, and another great thing about HelloFresh is it, I have a sweet tooth. L- like, Noted. Likes everybody
0: knows this about Mike Spears. Noted sweet tooth.
1: No sweet tooth, and it's usually Sour Patch Kids. I love the gummies. But the nice thing about HelloFresh is it satisfies your sweet tooth of seasonal, limited time goodies. In case, l- let me drop one on you. Please. And this is something that, that for you, you brought up T Nick earlier, so this is going to be right in your wheelhouse. It is Dunkaroo's Cookie Dough. And this is a HelloFresh option? HelloFresh. That's what they that's what they're providing now with HelloFresh. Yo, this is a game
0: changer, Mike Spears. Let me tell you, this changes things dramatically.
1: So all you have to do is take advantage of this great opportunity, which of which we mentioned, it is for sixteen free meals and three free gifts. You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW sixteen and you use the promo code VOW sixteen. Again, that is VO that is HelloFresh.com slash vow16 and use promo code vow16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts hello fresh it is america's number one meal kit and moving post intermission case we had what i thought was the match of the night like i adored this this was the open the twin gate champion team that don't really have a name yet i'm calling them the, the, the dias colloquially it was dragon daya and yuki yoshioka Versus Kagetora and Takuma Fujiwara. And Dragon Dia got the win with his new finisher, the Reptilian Kai, in 12 minutes and 27 seconds.
0: So how long do Dragon Dia and Yuki Yoshioka need to team for for me to fully crown them as Speed Muscle 2.0? Because there is speed with Dragon Daya and there is muscle with Yuki Yoshioka And I'm not sure whether or not it's intentional yet. But every time I watch this team wrestle, I just think this is 2022 Doyoshi.
1: You know, this gives off that vibe a lot more than real Doyoshi, you know, new, real <laughs> Doyoshi 2.0. <laughs> You're right. Takashi Yoshida doesn't fit the profile. He does not fit the profile. But it is wonderful seeing these two guys team, because they already have the chemistry together, and it's something that, if there was one thing that you would say about both guys before uh, last this month you would say, okay, Dragon Daya, you you know, we haven't really seen him like physically emote and be charismatic. And Yuki Yoshioka was kind of the he had a good promo and he had the look, but he wasn't necessarily known as the most charismatic guy. But these two just jump off the screen at you, Case.
0: Yeah, they're on the verge of really hitting something with these two. And much like the Shimizu versus Susumu reign from this past summer I look at these two guys with the tag belts and I think, man, I hope this rain lasts a long time and we're at a point in the promotion just because of all of the unit madness. We're outside of maybe a Binske challenge or, uh, you know, any sort of natural vibes pairing. I don't know who's next in line for them, but that's very much okay. Cause I think we're going to see a lot of these things shake out over the next month, month and a half. It doesn't matter who they wrestle. I need to see these guys continue to win matches. Okay. Dragon Daya, and I still don't love that he has this name, I would still like him to be renamed because he doesn't have the mask anymore, but Dragon Daya without the mask, still not very good at riding a skateboard, but other than that, projects himself like a star, comes across as a big deal, and way, uh, way faster than I would have imagined him making this mask-to-unmask transition. This is somebody who looks very comfortable in his skin right now. He's wrestling at a very high level, and his tag team partner, Yuki Yoshioka, again, was gone for all intents and purposes for two whole years, leaving in February of 2020. Obviously, he wrestled for an entire year under a mask, but now coming back in his own true form, oh my God, he has hit the ground running. I mean, this is just tremendous to see
1: it's something with with uh Daya, that it's just astounding the amount of physical charisma he has like, like he comes out and it, and especially on these kobe sambo hall shows these single cam hard cam shows they will zoom in for entrances and stuff and you see him like hop up on the apron and he has his little skateboard behind him and he's just smiling And you're like how can't you love this guy This guy's, like, the most natural babyface right now in wrestling. He's just so fucking likable, Kay. It's, like, it's something that, like, when I was, like, watching this, I had to watch this match twice, more for the entrance, because I got goosebumps seeing him hop up the apron. I was like, wow, they know what he is now. Like, what were, like, I get that he had, that he was the inheritor of the Dragon Legacy. I get all of that. But, boy, his ceiling has completely changed in a period of two weeks. Yeah, both
0: of these guys... I'm really curious to see what their king of gate looks like this year. I'm curious to see just how high of highs Yoshioka can reach because I think he's someone that, if he's positioned to have matches make tape in Kobe and Osaka and Tokyo and uh, Fukuoka and wherever else they film Hokkaido, this is somebody who, if he's got three or four TV matches, he's very much capable of having three or four great matches. And then you have Dragon Daya who, you know, In one sense, okay, he just took his mask off, he's the same wrestler, and he's proven that he can be a high-level singles wrestler in the past, but I think you and I both, although I was initially higher, you eventually came around on him, we both looked at Dragon Daya as a guy that had a ceiling, a high ceiling, but a ceiling, and now he's in this role where... I'd really like to see what him versus Doi would look like, or him versus KZ, or him versus Yamato, or him versus Shun. These guys that we know as main eventers, these guys that have held the Dream Gate belt before, what does an unmasked Dragon Daya look like in the ring with them in a singles match? If he's able to, I, I have no doubt that he'd be able to hang from an in-ring perspective, but if he can hang with them in terms of coming across like a star, then oh, boy, we are really on to something.
1: You left out one person I think would be the most compelling person for Kangate for him.
0: Is it Dragon Kid?
1: Benke. You, oh, please explain. Because the, with the three people you, you named, with the exception of Shun Skywalker, yes, Daya is a little bit more slight, but he's not necessarily like... We can kind of imagine the sort of matches that Yamato, Shun, and Doi would have with him. With him and Benkei, I don't know what you'd get because you would think that Benkei would throw him around and then the crowd would just go insane about it. And I want to see that so badly and seeing him use his body like a jungle gym. And I think that'd be very fascinating to see, especially like in a 10 minute match and across Fukuoka like that's the kind of thing that makes me want to watch a Hakata match.
0: It's interesting, because when Ben debuted, he was already so much bigger than the rest of the roster, and I feel like the guys that have left and the guys that have subsequently taken their place are all smaller now, so Ben looks even bigger on this roster. And you're right, Dragon Die is one of those guys where that could be a really interesting match. I'm assuming this year for King of Gate, and, and who knows, I mean, at this point, they could probably they could probably put together a 24-man King of Gate if they really wanted to. I don't think they will, but they could go... I mean, they've got so much depth on this roster now. If they wanted to throw these rookies in there and they wanted to use Mochizuki and Fuji and throw in, you know, if you have to, a Gamma to Punch Tamanaga to take some losses, they very easily could. I'm assuming Fujiwara won't be in this match, or I'm sorry, in King of Gate, but Fujiwara in this match was really exciting because just in all of all of Japan, there's that typical young boy style, which is something that's very easily consumable. A lot of people like it. It's very easy to watch. There's a certain ruggedness to that style because it's so simplistic and it's, you know, yeah, ideally you hit the ground running when you wrestle those very, you know, paint by numbers, aggressive, stiff matchups. What I thought was interesting here was Fujiwara very much expanded his playbook and he's in a he's in the ring with Dragon Daya and Yoshioka, two guys who work really quickly, have a lot of unique offense. It could be very easy to get lost with them. And he's teaming with Kagatora, who is a purveyor of a lot of, you know, unique moves. And, you know, when Kagatora's on, there's a certain unique pacing to his match. It's a little bit different than, say, a Susumu match or a Shun match. You know, a Kagatora match has a sort of feel to it. And Fujiwara wasn't just doing the rudimentary young boy stuff here. Fujiwara was a fourth and equal part in this match. Everybody pulled their weight here, including him, seeing him. And it might sound dumb if you don't realize exactly what's happening. Seeing him adding move to his arsenal at this point in his career is very exciting because they could be keeping him, you know, like Fuda, where Fuda has his kicks and his missile drop kick, and that's kind of about it. But Fujiwara, we're seeing a 100% uh, uh, formed wrestler, not there yet, but certainly in formation, in forming faster than most of his contemporaries.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's teaming with Kagatora, who he debuted against. And they have a nice chemistry there. But it's interesting when we like take the class of 2021 as a whole. And we do see a little bit more from the Ahashis. But the Ahashis had about a month and a half of a head start on the other four. But you look at Fujiwara, and given his age... Like, he is doing things that you would not expect someone who is only 19 with two months of experience out there doing. And he's pulling it off crisple Crisp. He's really clear. It's clear he can do a little bit of basing. Like, I mean, taking the new finish from uh, uh, Daya, the Reptilian Kai, which is a crazy move. Uh, that move is he's, sick. That looked great. Which is, like, one of the reasons the Reptilian Kai is one of the reasons why I don't think they'll change his name. And yeah. you don't know why? No, that's fair. Yeah, go ahead. Because the the old reptilian basically was a version of the Rana, basically a, ro- a roll-up Rana. This one, he does the roll-up, and he goes into a crucifix bomb, much like his mentor, Dragon Kid's Bible.
0: Is it? Are you hung up on him not changing his name? Does that matter to you?
1: No, no. At this point, it doesn't matter to me. All right, I'll try to get over it. But did you did you like did you pick up like oh hey he's making the reptilian in, into the Bible like I did
0: yeah no it's it's wonderful again they're they're really I'm so excited for this year because in every little pocket of the roster that you can go to you can look at a guy and go well they could do this with him and he could do this and he could elevate himself to this level and Dragon dies at the top of that list and adding a finisher like that which is a gnarly-looking move and one that would lead me to think, okay, if they're giving him a new finisher, it's for a purpose, and it's a little more impactful than the normal Reptilian. I would uh, buy that a Kai or a Skywalker or a Menorah, whoever, could be pinned by this move. And you're exactly right. It plays off the Dragon Kid heritage as well.
1: Yeah, so I think that, like, it, it, it is something that, like, the old Lucha head in me goes, like, it's not right that he didn't reveal his name and all that stuff, like, the traditional stuff. But at this point, I think that with who he is and clearly the fact that he just jumps off the screen, you don't really need to know it, <laughs> almost. Like, it, 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 and it might just be the fact that I'm kind of entranced by the, this little skater boy at this point mike spears entranced by this little skater boy hey i mean what can i say but i went four flat on this this was fantastic fujiwara again at the forefront of the class and i am wondering like like the, the interesting thing about fujiwara to me just to go back on that him for a second i don't know what we get out of him but we're seeing glimpses out of him early that remind me of yamamura in 2017
0: that is a really good comp. I hadn't totally put that together, but that makes a lot of sense. Well done. I also went four flat on this. Essential viewing if you have not seen it.
1: Yeah, this is the match on the show. This is the match of the show. It was fantastic. But yeah, no, it's, just, it's something where like he has like kind of a similar kind of charisma, and he's able to fly a little bit, but he's a bigger guy. And I think it's going to be something when clap crowds are done away with and you get like that, he's going to get, this kid's going to connect with the crowd much better than anyone else in the class, I would argue.
0: I I have no argument at this point. I, I agree. I think he's the front runner.
1: The main event was an elimination tag match, which was pretty fascinating. Takashi Yoshida teaming with Kota Minenora versus R.E.D.'s Kai and Shun Skywalker, the only two members of R.E.D. on the show, and we had three falls in this, just running down the falls real quick. We had an R.E.D. misfire. Yoshida rolled up Kai in nine twenty two. Skywalker, that they got to strap this mask to this guy's head case. He keeps on taking it off and, and throwing him at people and faking it out there because he got Yoshida disqualified two minutes later by a mask rip after the referee was turned. And then the uh, concluding fall, it was Kota Minora turning the SSW to a headlock takeover in 18 minutes and 28 seconds. And I thought this was a fascinating match stipulation to kind of throw on here. And it ended up like, yeah, we, we got the Oshida and Kai face off. It is what it is there. But when we got down to Minora and Skywalker for about seven minutes, it it was almost like in a way that we were seeing like foreshadowing. For a future even bigger match
0: i loved this i went three and three quarters on this i thought the match uh the match stipulation was very interesting i thought the execution of it was terrific and then we got this ending shun versus Menorah thing which was exactly going to be my talking point mike i have been covering this promotion for a very long time and very rarely over my time covering it have i correctly predicted Dragon Gate booking plans because they are, they throw curveballs at me constantly. And normally I'm delighted by those curveballs, but I feel very strongly about the future of the Open the Dream Gate division. And it's that Kai on February 4th will successfully retain the belt over Takashi Yoshida. God willing that happens. He's going to go into Champion Gate in Osaka and he's going to wrestle Big Boss Shimizu and he is going to lose that title to Big Boss Shimizu. And Shimizu is going to have a defense at Dead or Alive, probably against Ben Kay, and then he's probably going to have a defense in June. And my guess is that June title match is going to be against Coach Minora. is going to beat him for the belt and then wrestle Shun Skywalker at Kobe World and defend the title against Skywalker at Kobe World. I feel like pointing that out, not because it's fantasy booking, but because I, I logically feel like that's the direction that this promotion is headed i until i am presented with another realistic and rational option for what could headline their biggest show of the year this year i think it has to be skywalker versus menorah
1: i'm just like my only pushback to that is that that's two pretty quick reigns you know
0: yeah yeah but kai's gonna have a quick reign no matter what and i don't think it impacts shimizu as long as he has one defense
1: yeah, as long as you get a key, usually, and, and as long as you get like one key and, and you're fine, and it, because like you don't want to end up like a Rio Saito, basically.
0: In for many new listeners, no, you don't. Yes, no, no, you don't.
1: Yeah, for new listeners, Rio Saito was built up in 2006 as the guy. He and then basically as soon as he won the belt, they regretted it, and he lost in his first defense.
0: Watching the transformation of 2005 Ryo Saito where he is neck and neck with Shima the entire year and pinning Shima in singles matches to 2006 where he looks outclassed by most wrestlers on the roster is a really interesting transition to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so that's what we're referring to. I'm of the belief that every, every show could be someone's first show just so we're not just throwing lore on there that's, that's just not described there. It I, I'm a I'm a total agreement that I don't think this Kai reign is gonna to be too long. I can kinda of see like I have a feeling that this unit shakeup is gonna be taking a while just because of we're gonna probably have some Ata versus SBK and Ata versus Shun stuff there that I I don't think Kai makes makes it out of Nagoya's champion, but he might make it through Champion Gate.
0: Yeah, if he if he beats Shimizu, that's not shocking. But Shimizu has so much momentum right now that I I feel like a title change is coming there.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for Shimizu, that would be a big deal. You know what I mean? Someone who has written off a lot and still taking on still keeping some of the more humorous traits and still being champion. I think that that kind of shows a level of confidence of him that they really haven't shown in him since his heel turn, to be quite honest.
0: Yeah, so that's, uh, that's that Kobe Samba Hall show semi main event, that uh, Daya and Yoshioka match. We both went four stars on, our four stars on, I would call it essential viewing. I, I liked everything on the show. I think that main event is worth watching. And quite frankly, everything but match two I think is worth your time.
1: Yeah, no. And, and as I said earlier, you can get through the show pretty quickly. Very you know. quickly, yeah. And the, the one thing that we did not mention at, in the post-match, Shun Skywalker said, oh, we could reform Masquerade. All you have to do is apologize, Kona. Apologize to me, menorah You have to. And Minora's like, no, no, fuck you, no. Then, uh, then Ryo Saito came out again and said, well, I'm going to take Doi's role. Do you want to join Doi? And he's like, I'm not sure. And Saito says, I'm tired of this. I'm not sure stuff. You need to make up your, your mind here. Hey, it is hard being a, a young man in today's world. You get kind of indecisive. Maybe you need to let him go at his own pace here, guys.
0: This man is unhinged. It is insane watching the uh, top <laughs> Skywalkers gaslighting week after week.
1: God, he, it, it, it works so well. It works so well. Like Most compelling heel in all of wrestling right now, Shin Skywalker, because he believes everything he's doing is right. And I think that makes it even more interesting. But, Case, that's not all we had to talk about today. Uh, We had a little present for everyone that we dropped on Tuesday. It was the 2022 Dragon Gate Primer. And, Case, I had to throw the roses your way. This was your idea, so take the floor.
0: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm really annoyed that more people don't watch Dragon Gate. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast as a very casual fan of this promotion and you're a big stardom fan, I probably lost you at the beginning. That's okay. Uh, My introduction to Voices of Wrestling was in 2014. They published uh, an introductory guide to New Japan, and they explained what everything was, what everything meant, and I read that and was able to follow along from the next show on, and that is what our goal was here, and I have to tip the cap to Mike, who we split up the roster profiles. I handled the archive section because, you know, I, I a lot of people are very intimidated by the Dragon Gate Network, and rightfully so. It can be hard to find what you're looking for. I linked people to 20 essential matches that you can click on, find it in the player, and watch the match. Most of them are in full. Most of them are... Uh, you, you don't need any context. You don't need any story. You can sit down and watch this match, and it is a, a great match to watch. And then Mike did the on the strenuous work of explaining the schedule and how the network works, etc., etc. So that's up there, voices of wrestling.com. John Carroll, the original host of this show years ago, they did a Dragon Gate 101 series that is still available on Voicesofwrestling.com. com. Uh, that stuff is still mostly up to date and incredibly helpful as well. So this is just a way to say if you're new, if the January core can, you know came across your feed and you want to check some of this stuff out but you have questions, this can help you. And then obviously we're on Twitter and the uh, Voices of Wrestling Discord as well to answer your questions there.
1: Yeah, so we did put out a call for people who had questions about the Primer uh discord went down right as we did it so i quickly went over to twitter to do to, to this as well so we have a couple questions we're gonna close out on uh, this week's episode and let's go to the Discord. the discord one first case so i don't have the name here the first question is what does the dragon system include is it dragon gate in the dojo or more than that
0: i would like to hear you tackle this one i'm curious to see if we have the same answer
1: all right so the dragon system to me And a lot of this is left up to interpretation how you kind of want to do it. I think the term kind of developed as a way of just discussing Torimon and Dragon Gate together. But now that everything is kind of like one continuity after 2019, I look at it this way. Torimon started in Japan in 1999. Then we had Torimon 2000 Project, which was a part of Torimon. Then we had Torimon X. Then 2004, we had The Split. And within The Split, we had... Dragon Gate, and then we had what was the Dragon Door project D2P that existed very briefly, then became Eldorado, and then later became Secret Base. Dragon Gate, Secret Base, Eldorado, Dragon Door, and Toriumon, or Dragon System, and Dragon Gate USA.
0: And anything that Ultimo Dragon did uh that we like we also consider to be the dragon system
1: yes Yes, we'll see if this triple mania show counts as dragon system if it draws a good house it will (laughs) there we go there we go and the second question from this asker and i apologize again discord went down i know that you're tired of explaining how the network works but every time i think i have it figured out and i'm ready to subscribe for the first time i read something that contradicts my understanding What is the definitive answer to what eventually comes back and what is available in the archives at any given time? Or can you direct me to somewhere where you've already covered that? I will take this one. This is your department. Yeah. So the way it operates is, and I didn't include this in in the guide, at least in my section, because it gets a little bit in the weeds. And I wanted to kind of keep this open and and introductory in a way. basically. the Dragon Gate Network is a collaboration of Dragon Gate Japan Pro Wrestling, the promotion, and their television network, Gayora. Gayora shoots nearly everything they do. Everything that makes CV, everything that goes on the network, for the most part, is done by Gayora Because they have a program on Gayora called Dragon Gate Infinity. And what Dragon Gate Infinity is, is those live tapings that you get a single cam of, your Kobe Sambo halls, your... KBS halls in Kyoto, you're across Fukuoka, you're Hokkaido. Those get put up on GORA as affinity episodes with full production with with uh, commentary with with the whole 9 yards and they run on GORA various repeating times and there's not like a set time period for that run. Usually about a month after it's done airing on GORA TV, the shows come back to the network and they are, the shows that are put back on the network are done as the infinity cuts. The thing is, on infinities, now they are locked to, I think, a two-hour time frame for infinities. So there is editing going on there. But there's just not a set time frame. And it's the same thing with the pay-per-views with the Big Five and the other major shows. It used to be that the English feeds were up into perpetuity. But I think they've kind of changed that around there.
0: They have. So... Let me explain this to you if you're if you're like me and that's too much information. Shows happen. You have a week to watch them on the Drangate network. They go away after a week and then they come back about 6 months later. So please watch them during that week.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean like that's really the thing is like for the best usage of the network in my mind is you watch things within a week. And then if you have the itch to go back to like rewatch the Dias versus Kakatora and Fujiwara in a couple months, you're able to go back to watch that. There's other stuff that goes up on the network They, When the future project was active as Dragon Gate future, they would put those things up in full. Uh, Homecoming matches and homecoming shows go up there and they stay up there because they're shot by Dragon Gate and they do their own things there. But uh, to reiterate what Case said, I would go and watch it within the seven day period and, it it it's a task and it's something that like i can't say definitively that it, it's a personal evaluation like if you're able to do that then the drinking networks for you if not then maybe what they have up on youtube and what's on the Gayora or youtube which they've they've started to fill out that one as well might be the best way to follow the uh, promotion outside of the podcast well said all right let, let's move over to twitter uh Liam Byrne asked us, "Does the does the stable shuffle happen every year at this time? If so, when did it become a thing? Uh, really, true unit shuffles start whenever the heel unit gets changed around. At least that's how I kind of determine one. Did did you have a do you have a different way of determining it, Case? No, it would be a great gimmick if they made some units break up at the
0: end of every year. It would obviously throw off some continuity. So there's a reason they don't do it. But I like the idea of that in theory, but." Yeah, we're looking at, you know, either, you know, the generational warfare, they actually did that. They said, okay, everybody's done here. We're going to fight Drangate, Torimon, and R.E.D. But other than that, the last big one we had was when Mad Blanky broke up, and that was in 2015, and we saw the ripple effects of that for the next six months or so, very similar to what's going to happen now, and then everything settled, and we had our units and everything. You know, we had, you know, some changes of KZ leaving Tribe Vanguard and forming Natural Vibes. And that all stay true through, again, the generational warfare. But it is not a yearly thing. It is primarily kickstarted by the heel unit crumbling.
1: Yeah, and, and that's the thing is that with the exception of Mad Blanky and Deep Drunkers, heel units evolve. They don't break up. So what we're seeing right now is an evolution of what RED will be next. And I assume sometime before Dead or Alive, if not before champion gate we will or, and memorial gate we will figure out what the new heel unit is like this sbk heo and shun lead unit and we'll be able to kind of make sense of that there i i've been doing a spreadsheet case knows how i love my spreadsheets kind of charting everything and there's a lot of big pieces out that we will see kind of get shaken around high end needs new members natural vibes is probably going to stay the exact same But it's one of those things that takes a little while to kind of shake up. Uh, There is one promotion that used to do yearly unit shakeups case.
0: I don't know who this is. I have a feeling it's going to annoy me for whatever reason. Stardom. Yeah, that's perfect. Of course they did.
1: They would have like a big battle royal basically with all the unit leaders. And like the last big one was uh, 2019. I think. And the idea was that the that, that the losing that basically they would have a draft immediately afterwards where they draft new units, basically. And whoever was the unit leader who was the last person not to get an escape or to score a fall in the match, their unit broke up. And that's what they do.
0: I'm really happy for them.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, you know, good for them. Good for them. Uh Suit Williams, front of the show, has a very interesting question. And he admits that this isn't about the primer, but this is just all throughout it. So it just kind of ties in. You're drafting an all-time Naruki Doi's Hot Boys unit, who are your top three to five picks. You can use the Dragon Gate USA roster if need be.
0: <laughs> that, that's an interesting wrinkle, including DG USA guys, because at some point, Chuck Taylor and Johnny Gargano's abs have to be mentioned.
1: Yeah, I mean, Johnny Gargano, like that was the thing that they were like, "Oh, Johnny Gargano, he's we don't really like him in a world One international, but ooh, he has the abs though." <laughs> I, we don't we don't like him as a wrestler, but he looks really good. <laughs> I, I mean, it's better than the rationale behind AR a- a- Fox being in Team Veteran.
0: Fair point, fair point. Uh first pick in the draft, Milano Collection AT is going in my Hot Boys unit.
1: Yeah, I mean, Milano Collection, I mean, you kind of have to go for that. I mean, the other person there, just because he was the Italian Tarzan, he was the sexy Tarzan, Yosino, you know, as Yosino, not Masato Yoshino. Yoshino would be my number one pick.
0: I really like Tozawa. Now, I was just thinking a few weeks ago, Mike, do you remember that period in the early 2014 where Tozawa dyed his hair uh, black?
1: Yeah, that, that, that was kind of uh, right as the in the changeover kind of between him getting kicked out of... It was like... was That that was after he got kicked out of Bad Blanky, right as Monster Express was getting off the ground.
0: Yeah, he, he definitely had orange gear by this point. And I want to make it clear that I, I love Akira Tozawa. I do hate that look. He looks so much better with his bleached hair. So I want specifically Tozawa with the board shorts and the bleached hair as my second pick.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, you have to go with the, my next pick. He, I mean he is onerous. I mean, didn't leave on good terms, but he is, you know, the original hot boy, Magnum Tokyo.
0: Yeah, you can have that. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you Magnum all day. Uh no no interest there. My final pick, I'll do three. Thank you for the question, Sue. Wonderful question. I I I think if I was a woman, Mike Spears, hypothetically, I think I have a sort of energy or I would have a certain energy that says I love older men. I think if that was, if my options of the dating pool were young men or old men that are stressed out and have money, I am leaning towards old men that are stressed out and have money. And when I think about that, I think about Masaki Mochizuki. I think he is a devilishly handsome man. He is the type of guy that if I was a woman, I would want to be on his arms as we stroll through the streets when it comes to hot boys, he's not the flashiest pick. He's certainly not the youngest pick, but he's my pick, and he's Masaki Mochizuki.
1: I mean, you've got to get the hot dad quotient there. You know? well, it's,
0: an under, it's an underrepresented demographic just in the world. Not enough talk about how, how many hot dads there are.
1: Yeah, yeah, we just got to look out for the hot dads. Uh, if I were <laughs> to pick a hot dad, knowing that you took Masaki Mochizuki, I know he's mass, but we all know Ultimo is a hunk. If I were to pick, go with the dad vein there. Mike Spears securing the Stephanie
0: McMahon vote. Oh, you know what? <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry. I'm adding a fourth pick. You can take one if you want. Diamante is on my team. Diamante is a masked man who is gorgeous. And shame on us for forgetting him for the first six picks.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I have to pick two now. Dang. Uh, you have to pick two. You know, no, no, no. Just pick one more. Oh, oh no. I got two because I want to bring him okay. in as a tag team. I'm bringing in the dais. <laughs> I, I i want a cute boy and i want and i want someone who has the the rugged looks of a of a heartthrob like i mean he has matinee aisle looks as as we've once been told in yuki yoshioka we got to have someone that you could put on a movie poster and that's yuki yoshioka
0: dragon Dya on Mast is i mean we were told for years like no he's really good looking under the mask he is so annoyingly handsome i want cheering to come back just so I can hear, in the same way that, you know, mid-2000s, Noah, Kenta used to get all of those female crowd calls. There's, like, a very distinct, like, Kenta cheer that I can hear coming from some, you know, woman in Budokan Hall. I I have a feeling the same thing is going to come back, but for Dragon Daya, and I would, I would like to hear that.
1: You know who was someone who got those, and it was very distinct?
0: Was it Ashita?
1: Yeah, Ishida yeah. and Osaka. Like, just the tenor of all of that, man. It, again, it, it,
0: I, we we talked to some people after Cork and Hall. I said, "Do not worry about Kaito Ishida being a baby face again. He will figure it out." And it's I, I'm not I'm not worried about him making that connection with the fans once again.
1: No, no, no. It'll be a relatively easy thing for him. Uh, we have one more question Friend of the show, Adam Sanderson. Uh, based on the Dragon Gate section, do you see Shima's record being broken? if so who is most likely to break it and uh, and, and just for those who don't know that this is shima in one reign had 15 dream keys the, the belt looked insane it was an awesome look at kobe world 2013 him coming out in the full toga and just <laughs> like the belt all blamed out but he had a five i think it was just, i'm going off the top of my head here i think it was 574 days i you think you're have... right which is sick thing because i had that number in my head too God, I hate myself. <laughs> I hate myself so much. Uh, who's going to... I just, like... That was, like, such an important ring because it was set up, like, a generation shift. Like, that was, like, the last days of the the Shimamochi top line, like, being, like, the true leaders of the company. Like, that was, like... And he had a lot of defenses against, like... Like, he had two defenses against Tozawa and BB Hulk, and that was, like, to get them up to that level. So, it you would have to replicate that and i would might be too late for my guess the person that if he were like four years younger it would have been yamato
0: yeah yeah because it's not gonna happen with yamato now it would have it would have had to have happened on that 2016 2017 reign and thank god it didn't um the answer is no, but the answer is also SB Kento. I just, I, why not at this point? He's su- su- surpassed all of my other expectations. I should at least try to put on record that if anybody could do it, it would be him. But I don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've completely readjusted our expectations each time he goes out and has a big match, right? So why can't he completely rewrite the, uh, the record book? You know, I mean, he's got a lot of time in front of him. God forbidding. I mean, God willing, he doesn't get hurt or anything like that.
0: Yeah, if it's going to be anybody, it's going to be him. But that's not something I would be counting on for anybody to do anytime soon. That was, you know, that was Shima. I mean, that reign was Shima in a nutshell for better or worse. And while this promotion has evolved past him and is arguably healthier without him now, there's no Shima's on this roster anymore. And so I don't see that rain getting broken anytime soon.
1: Yeah. And at the same time, there's no reason, like they've already set up the next generation. They've already set up the young generation. And then the generation after that will be set up as well. I mean, SB Kento still hasn't had a drink yet. So, you know, there's like that kind of rain had its time and place and it was very situational. However, the five dream gate runs, I foresee that being broken sometime. Just in it. Just because that kinda has to, you know? Yeah,
0: I yes, I, I agree
1: with that. I don't know who
0: will do that, but I agree with that. That somebody will at least tie Yamada with five.
1: And those were the questions we had for this week. I. I know we have some stuff we want to plug before we get out of here, okay? So uh, take the wheel.
0: Yeah, this this episode is coming to you a little delayed, and that is because earlier this week I was recording the Between the Sheets podcast with David Bixenspan. And Chris Zellner, that episode is going to be released on Monday, January 31st, which if you know the Dragon system to come full circle, that is the anniversary of the first ever Torimon show, the 23rd anniversary of that show. And so I was on between the sheets this past week, or I guess this upcoming week, rather discussing all of the news in the wrestling world of a a week and a half before I was born Uh, So we talk a lot about uh, Giant Baba's death, that's what leads off the show, and we have a very, very fun discussion on him, on New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1999, the Japanese Indies, and most importantly, Toriyaman, we go pretty in-depth on that show, and we have a a very interesting discussion on the marketability of Toriyaman, and how those wrestlers far uh, uh, far more appeal to the American audience, more so than a Nagato or a Kensuke Sasaki than when WCW used them. So we kind of tie it into American wrestling there. And then I am on these sections that cover the WWF and halftime heats of that week. And then WCW, uh, which I thought was another very good section where we break down a lot of uh, 1999 WCW stuff. So that will be in your feeds on Monday, January 31st. Again, I would highly recommend listening to the Japan section of that show and the Toriyama part in particular, if you're a fan of this show, because Chris and David, uh, they, they know more wrestling than anybody. And I felt very outclassed doing that show, but I'm very, very glad they had me on.
1: Yeah. I can't wait to listen to that. Uh, we also, as we mentioned before, we have the uh, dragon gate primer up on the uh, voices of com. We will have a link to that in the show notes, just in case you haven't, you haven't looked at it yet. Uh, Case, I don't know if you caught this. That might be the longest thing ever published on the Voices of Wrestling website we did.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: the the estimated read time,
0: it should it well, I I maybe it will take you 53 minutes to read it. I I don't know. It, there's there's a lot in there. Consider it a guide, bookmark it, come back to it when you need it. Again, if you're a new fan, this is the time to ask questions. I am more than happy to respond to whatever you've got. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on the Voice of Wrestling Discord. Get in contact with us With us somehow. This promotion is going to change a lot within the next few months, and you have an opportunity to be involved in what should be a really, really exciting time in the rich history of Dragon Gate.
1: Yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And looking ahead, if you're someone looking to subscribe to the network, I would say at this point in the month, hold off till the 1st, because looking at February case, we got Cork and Hall show. they have a rare Friday night show. Friday night at Corken Hall on the 4th. Then they have next Friday after that on the 11th, they're at Kyoto KBS Hall. They're at across Fukuoka for their kind of bi-monthly. Uh, it's a doubleheader this time on the 20th. They have an afternoon and an evening show Memorial gate in Wakayama two days later. And then they end out the month. They do not have a show in Sambo hall. It's not the venue that I think they were at last year. It is the Kobe art center on the 27th. So, We're talking about there'll be five shows up on the network, including kind of the first big show of the year. And then you get into March. Boy, March is going to be busy for the two of us.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So, yeah, like Mike said, if you're not a network subscriber, unless you are committed to digging into the archives with the links I provided in the primer this weekend... Hold off until February, and then you get a Cork and Hall show, you get a a small size pay pay-per-view, and you get a few other things, uh, a few other different live broadcasts on the Drangate Network, and then by the time March rolls around, we are going to be uh, covering a lot of shows, especially that first week of March. Oh my god, I'm just now looking at the schedule. That's good to know. Um, Okay, (laughs) wow, sweet. Uh, But yes, uh, uh, we're on Twitter, ask us questions there, and uh, yeah, that's all I got.
1: So on Twitter, we are at Open Voice Gate. We tweet exclusively Dragon Gate and Dragon System related stuff there. Uh, feel free to hit us up there. Case is at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujihea. Thanks for listening to Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back to you. we'll be back with you next time to talk about that Kobe, not that Kobe, that Cork and Hall show on the fourth. Take care, everyone.